0: In the stillness of this moment, God makes a way for me. Our second principle says, the spirit of God lives within each person, therefore all people are inherently good. All people are in- that means me too. That means me too. So the name of my talk today is being in the forever now. And I wanted to break that down by, let's begin with being. We are human beings. But there's two parts to that word, right? Eckhart Tolle says human is the form that we are. Human is the doing, whatever comes for us to do. But being is the essence of who we are. It is the truth of who we are. And it comes from that place within us that we all have. That still, quiet voice that's within each of us. That light that represents the Christ consciousness in each of us. The highest mind with each of us, within each of us. So we are both. We are the being, the consciousness, and we are the form. And the form will do things and act upon things on this earth planet. And my experience is... Of course, I see what's mirrored back to me, right? My experience is that not many of us are balanced between the doing and the being. I know it's something that I work on every day, coming from the ego and just thinking I have to do, 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 versus stopping and checking in and seeing what is actually mine to do. What is mine? How can I serve? Almost all attention goes outward. And it actually starts with our children. Let's go, let's do, let's be, let's join in, let's become a part of a team. And it starts at a very young age. So we're, we're kind of cultivated to be that way. And honestly, even great thinkers who are very successful, they're successful doers, but at some point, they become frustrated and empty. And I don't mean the Buddhist kind of empty another kind of empty. The kind of empty that we experience when we aren't true to ourselves. It kind of reminds me of a couple of analogies. You know, we we do all of these things to look and feel good, right? Have you ever gone to the grocery store and you see this amazing apple and it looks beautiful and it's all shiny and then you get it home and you cut it open and it's dry? (laughs) Or it's tasteless. That's what happens as we do all this stuff on the outside but if we're not doing the work on the inside, we get that dryness, that tastelessness from within, for ourselves, maybe not to everybody else. Another analogy is like um, social media. I heard this, I don't know. Oh, I was, I'm reading this book by Joe Dispenza about the mind, and he talks about social media is like fast food. Mm-hmm. When we go get fast food, we satisfy our hunger, but our nutrition is still starving so we joined social media so we could see what everybody else is doing and participate what everybody else is doing. But it really doesn't give us a sense of belonging, which is what it is that we long for. And that sense of belonging comes from that cultivating that silence, cultivating that being that we get to know when we go into the silence. Cultivating what it's like and what it feels like to be authentic, to show up and to be real and to be vulnerable. I think I went ahead of myself quite a bit here, but that's okay. Um, Our civilization is longing to return to the roots of being, of the being dimension. But our goal is really to balance the two, right? To balance the doing with the being. Now, for me, when I'm in that place of being, I feel like a hole has been filled. And it feels that way when I'm vulnerable, when I'm authentic, and when I meditate. And I also can tell you that As I've learned to meditate, it's gotten better. I feel so much better. I feel like I can come from that authentic place so much easier. I've gained a sense of who I am and that what I truly have to say, not what I think other people want me to say, what I truly have to say is important. Whether it's important to them or not doesn't matter. It's important that I say it because I need to say it. And the results are not mine. I have to let go of whatever results. I just have to know that I have to speak up. So basically what I'm talking about is being mindful. Being mindful of our thoughts, being mindful of our words, and being mindful of our actions. Learning to be in the here and now, every minute, forever, no pressure. (laughs) And sometimes I can notice one bird, one tree, one flower. And sometimes I can actually notice the whole landscape. But the thing is, in those moments, I am present with that. I'm not thinking about something else. I am present with the bird and the flower and the landscape. I'm showing up. So Eckhart Tolle says, this is how we become aware of the sacredness of nature is when we are present with it. And I remember um, after Michael had passed and I was living at a friend's house and she had this amazing garden. Every day I had to go out, she had, a garden of black-eyed Susans that went from that window to the end of the kitchen. And I had to go out there every day and cut the deadheads. Um, and it was cathartic because it made me realize the cycle of life and how one, there's one deadhead that I'm cutting off, but there's all these other flowers that are popping open. It was amazing. It was an amazing experience. So nobody can really explain what sacredness is, but when we sense it, we know it right? And I'm coming to believe that everything can be sacred when we show up and we are authentic and we are in our heart. It is an expression of one life of the one consciousness. If you love what you see, there's no longer separateness. There's a joy from your heart. Open my eyes of my heart. Open the eyes of my heart. And this is the aspect of being and doing. Being aware of being while you do. Now, the danger is, like, say, when you're in a work situation or you're doing something more complex other than, you know, looking at flowers or bees or something, right? The, the danger is while you're doing that, you get lost in it, which is good, right, because then you're being present. But all of a sudden, something happens. Some thought comes. Some fear comes. And all of a sudden, you're getting stressed out. You feel it whether it's all of a sudden you notice the time and you gotta have something done by a certain time or some thought comes in and now you are no longer being. You've just left that moment to worry or do something else. So the quicker we come back to what's right in front of us right now, the more we're back to our being. And that's where mindfulness comes in because what happens is when we step out of that mindfulness, all of a sudden we realize how we feel and we're no longer feeling that peace. And so when we realize we're not feeling peace, oh, what what am I thinking? What am I worrying about? Is it something I should get up and do right now? Or can it wait? Is it a lie I'm telling myself? Or is it the truth? So. Taking a breath and being in the forever now. And many people feel very uncomfortable with meditation. I know I did. It took me many years. It was only 10 years ago. I started meditating when I was 18. 10 years ago, I actually started to practice. <laughs> At 18, I started with Transcendental Meditation, where you're supposed to meditate 20 minutes twice a day. That lasted three months. I was like, oh no, this is not for me. But I knew meditation was good for me, so I kept trying. And it was here, Sean said, "Try start with five minutes. I was like, oh, five minutes? I can get up five minutes earlier and meditate. You know, five minutes is very doable. So I started out with 5 minutes and then I went to 10 and 20 and now I meditate 30 minutes a day, sometimes even more. And I found it's like, it's like going without food is easier than going without meditation. I could go a day without food so much easier than a day without meditation. It's amazing, and by three o'clock, if I didn't meditate in the morning, I know I gotta stop right then, just because of the thoughts that are going on in my head or the itchiness that I have. So it helps us to be in the forever now, and it also helps me realize, like sometimes I'll be doing something and think about past moments, and remembering those past moments all brought me to where I am today. Like I remember when I first started dating Gabe, or actually it wasn't when I first started dating, it was when we decided to get married and I was in my 50s and all of a sudden I started perseverating about how I'm so old and I'm not gonna be able to have many years with him and blah, 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 blah. And someone said to me, well, now you're ruining the years that you have right now by thinking about that. And I was like, oh wow, yeah. Yeah, like maybe, you know, I could have never found love again, right? I mean, some people don't find love again, but I did and just, to be able to enjoy that and to have that awareness in the moment and to realize all those times I'm worrying like that. Another thing that happened this week, maybe it was last week, I had two calls with two different brides and both of them seemed very excited to work with me. And that was, one was on a Tuesday, one was on a Thursday. Well, I hadn't heard from either one of them by Saturday and you should have heard what I was saying to myself. <laughs> it was on, I was the worst wedding officiant on the planet, okay? I was the worst. And finally, I heard myself, you stop, just stop. And when I finally spoke to them, one of them was like a nurse and working like triple shifts and the other one, her husband got, her fiance got ill and so she wasn't able to call me back. So it just, it reminded me also of the truth that I know. I don't want to force anybody to do anything with me because I know I end up fighting through that whole process or, you know, it becomes a struggle. I have to trust that the couples that are meant for me are going to come to me. And nobody can take them away from me. They're mine. Whether they know it or not. It's the truth. Like, that's all I can tell you. And you know, you know, like, like both of these couples, I sensed with them, like, okay, this is going to be my wedding. I know it is. So I'm still waiting for two contracts. But they have the contracts now. They actually asked for the contract. So that's good, right? So... Just a reminder and also that when we freak, when I, when I started thinking that stuff I've just fallen asleep. Right? It's another one of those moments when we fall asleep or I fell asleep. So it's time to wake up again and remember the truth of who I am. Remember that I am the beloved child of God and nothing could take that away from me either no matter what I do. So this mindfulness is a spiritual practice aimed to help us remember that the true self is the soul is the being, not the ego that's doing the human doing. So we empty or release or strip off the self we are wearing, the egoic self, that we may have been over identifying with by doing so many things and reveal the soul of love that remains underneath it all. Remember the truth that the true self we are is the eternal soul. We remember that the soul that's under all these layers we wear all throughout the day and at different times and points of our lives is the truth of who we are. Nakedness is a rite of passage. When we are born, we're all naked, right? It's compulsory. You can't have clothes on when you're born, right? You can't. So as we grow and we're we're putting on these clothes or these thoughts or whatever, we lose that innocence. We lose that essence. But waking up again, It's about shedding those clothes, shedding those thoughts. And I don't mean standing up here naked in the physical, right? Our body does not want, nobody wants to see that. But to stand and to be honest and to be authentic and to be real. For many years, I was afraid to open my mouth because I was afraid something was going to be taken away from me. And I can no longer stand in that place anymore. So watch out everybody. No, I'm only kidding. (laughs) Hopefully I've learned to do it with love, right? But the only way we can begin again as someone new or as more of the truth of who we are, more authentic, more real, is to get naked willingly or by waiting for the whispers of the need to change and become a roar. Whether the nakedness feels forced by external circumstances or initiated by conscious intention, the nakedness or authenticity means we're ready to begin again. We're ready to show up again. And like it or not, forgiveness is a big part of this practice. Mostly self-forgiveness. Looking within and saying, where do I need to forgive? And then from there, because usually if I'm seeing something in someone else that I'm angry about, it's a mirror to what I have done or thought or seen. So I have to start with forgiving myself. And for those of you in prayer, that's what we're doing this week. We're doing a week of forgiveness, so hang on. Um, I also want to mention a little bit about Lent. Lent is just around the corner, right? It starts on Wednesday. Now, Lent came from the word "lectin," which means to lengthen which refers to the lengthening of days during the spring. Spring is always thought of as a time of renewal, rebirth, and rejuvenation. So the heart of what Lent could mean is self-renewal and self-reflection. Participating in Lent is not only a way to reconnect to our wisdom and our soul, but an opportunity to recenter in God's love and open us up to new types of awarenesses. In Romans 12, 2, it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable, and what is perfect. It is a time to be transformed. We're going through it as a community, right? We're being transformed right now. To become more alive, to awake and attune to the highest consciousness within each of us. And as a community, that only happens because each of us has decided to work from that highest consciousness and be authentic and be of integrity. In Keep a True Lent by Charles Fillmore, he says, to observe Lent according to the spirit rather than letter, we must fast from criticism and condemnation and feast in brotherly love. Fast from false beliefs in sickness and weakness and feast on the truth of God's omnipresent perfect life fast from false beliefs and lack and limitation, and feast on the truth of God's bountiful goodwill. Spiritual principles and practices for Lent allow us to behave in ways that are more consistent with acting from our highest mind, from that highest consciousness that we all have. So rather than spending 40 days looking at flaws and foibles or cutting out food, you might want to think about new principles by which to live, new practices which help us be more of the God that we came here to be. When I awake to the truth of who I am, the beloved child of God, I awaken to new levels of being. We can get up and arise from our spiritual slumber and reattune to the oneness that we are. It is the soul-searching during Lent that brings the opportunity for full expression of the Easter Christ within, which is the hope of glory. So it's the resurrection within each of us to rise above the human thoughts. Spiritual principle of unity found in John 1 11, Jesus said, to love one another is as God has loved you so that you can be in unity. In the 17th chapter of John, Jesus prayed that we all may be one like he and God are one. So use these, use these instead of comparison and judgment, instead of comparing have compassion. Instead of judging, have empathy. Did I miss? This all begins in humility and the knowledge that we are all the same, that there is no other. Oh, I, I, I missed something, I apologize. Didn't make sense as I was saying it. But there are two script, these two scriptures that I just said are asking us to practice compassion by putting yourself in someone else's shoes and practicing empathy by being aware of how somebody else is feeling. So that's how you use them instead of comparison and judgment. So I wanna read the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi in an affirmative prayer way. We did this in our prayer class and I loved it. And it's a, I think for me anyway, it's a great way to go into Lent. Lord, I am an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, I so love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O divine, I do not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying to the human self that we are born to the eternal Christ. So, let Lent be about self-reflection. Not always easy or comfortable, but worth it. Give up old ideas of God. Incorporate prayer or meditation into your daily practice. Cultivate a mindfulness practice in order to be in the forever now. Serve. Ask. What is mine to do? I want to say thank you. I'm your sister in compassion, prayer, and possibility. I see you I love you and I appreciate you and until we see each other again know that you are blessed and a blessing.